welcome to episode 85 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We're joined today by a full roster of people who are all currently staring at me trying to make sure that I don't cock up the intro again. Uh, so we'll jump straight into that. We'll jump straight to the toothless wonder that is the man who is just as disappointed in the NFL season as I am right now. It's Mr. Gareth Dutton. How are we doing, Gref? I'm doing very well, Joe, thanks. I mean, I'd rather not talk about that game, but... I'm sure you're probably the same. You and me both. How are you doing anyway, Joe? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. We've, uh... yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. It's another week now. I feel like it feels like two minutes ago that we were we were recording the last episode, uh, and I blinked, and we're we're back to we're up to episode eighty-five. So other than that, yeah, I'm all right. Disappointed that I can't go to Vegas to watch this uh, this festival that. That's been announced, and I know that you're looking at going, so I'm very disappointed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed for you, mate. As yeah, yeah, we're going to move on before I get too sad about that. So uh, we're also joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we doing today? I'm not so bad, thank you, Joe. How are you? We're good. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. So it's good, so it's, it's good fun to be back. Uh, Back recording again, and actually, I think it seems weird. It's the first time in a while we've scraped together an agenda because it's not not been as much going on. So, we might hit two episodes in a row under two hours, gents. Maybe I might be a bit of a pipeline dream, but who knows? <laughs> Last but not least, it's the man who's mimicking Uka on the video right now. Obviously, <laughs> it's Mr. David Grant. Dave, how is one? One is fine. Um... Bit of sniffles, but no COVID. Um, apart from that, fine. Um, I'm looking for, like I say, it just seemed two minutes. We'll be a blinking, we're all back to go. So I'm looking forward to uh, another fun evening of uh, hockey chat and, and laughter with you and Gref. Andy, different kettle of fish. He's already started it on the pre uh, record. So I'll give everyone the warning. It's frosty already. It's more frosty than um, Alaska. I'll tell you everything, me and Andy. You're going to tell of this podcast. I think, I think I'm fine. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I feel like we should be doing this on video right now. I feel like I want to... We should have some, like, flashing graphic that says inbound sass. <laughs> oh, it's going to be beyond inbound sass, I'll tell you now. <laughs> yeah, to fill everybody in there, uh, yeah, there's, there's been some... Uh, <laughs> there's been some sass already before we've hit the record button, so uh, I think we're all intrigued as to how this one pans out. Um... But no, we'll go through the scores. Um, not quite as many to go through as last week, so hopefully I don't trip over quite as many as I did. But who knows, the night is young. Uh, starting with Friday the 14th of Jan, the Belfast Giants took a narrow victory against the Cardiff Devils, 1-0 in Belfast. The Nottingham Panthers beat the Glasgow Clan 5-2, and the Sheffield Steelers beat the Coventry Blaze again, a narrow win on the road, 2-1. Uh, Saturday the 15th, the Steelers beat the Flames, another narrow win in Sheffield, 6-5. Uh, the Storm lost out 6-1 to the Giants in Manchester. Uh, the Stars lost out 5-3 to Glasgow Clan in Dundee. Um, and the Panthers beat the Flyers 4-2 in Fife. Uh, last, no, not last lot. Um, Sunday the 16th, we had Dundee Stars winning 5-4 in overtime against Nottingham. Uh, the Flames lost out 4-3 in overtime against Coventry. And the Devils took a, a narrow 3-2 win against the Flyers in Cardiff. Uh, and then the last game in the league was Wednesday the 19th, so last night as far as we're recording. Uh, that was the Glasgow clan beating the Belfast Giants 3-1. Uh, 
and then just a quick recap of the Challenge Cup fixtures that we've just had. So the Steelers beat the Flyers 4-2 in Fife. They go through uh, and it's 9-3 on aggregate. Um, the Cardiff Devils beat the Dundee Stars 6-1. I can't remember what the aggregate score was for them, but they're going through. I think it was that. Is that 8-5, something like that? I don't know, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then the Guildford Flames beat the Panthers 3-2 in Guildford, but it wasn't enough to top the Panthers' score the previous game, uh, which was 4-2. Uh, so the Panthers go through 6-5 on aggregate. I'm quite happy with how that went, so I'm going to throw it straight over to you guys uh, for highlights. Hashtag so proud. Yes. Um, I'll start off. Um, I'll go for the shock of the... Uh last round of fixtures um, just over 24 hours ago Glasgow and Belfast which I think we all predicted Belfast to comfortably win that game I believe uh, I don't think anybody predicted a Glasgow win no um, Andy said 3-1 Belfast uh, you said 4-2 Belfast and I said 4-1 Belfast so yeah so you know confidence in our prediction as ever Um but Belfast started well, Goodwin gets on the board and you think, yeah, it's just going to be one of the nights that are just going to keep on rolling. But uh, goals from Laporte, uh, Matt Roy uh, and Rentinetta from Sol give Glasgow an unexpected 3-1 victory. Um, after, which I did have to find a layer, so I think it was British Ice Hockey headline, who can stop the Giants? <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was yesterday morning they put it out, who can stop them? Because they're on about, I think it was a 10-11 game winning streak. Um, but yeah, no, good good result for Glasgow um, in front of their 200 fans. Obviously, with the restrictions at the moment, I know that's changing soon. Um, also, good result for Cardiff and Sheffield. Um, bit of ground uh, now between them. So, but no, good result. It was good to see Glasgow after uh, their coach and his intriguing. Um, Ask on interview, shall we say? Um, but a good turnaround for Glasgow and a good two points for them to try and get back into that playoff mix. Yeah, I think I'll, for me, I'll go. I'll go Belfast Cardiff. Belfast won it one 0 Taylor Soy got a goal assisted by Jordan Boucher and Sam Roop. Matt Register thought he scored. Keyword in there for because that got ruled out for goal interference. For being on Premier Sports as well, that was a really good game to watch as a neutral. And also some very entertaining choice words on TV as well. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going for the game between Dundee and Nottingham uh, on Sunday the 16th, my birthday. Uh, just gone. Uh, it started with uh, Dundee actually going tunnel up with Philip Sarch and uh, what was his first name? Sebastian Bengtsson, uh before two replies Nottingham from Robbie Bayarjan. Uh has been pretty hot this season so far. A uh, few people may remember him. Uh, a few seasons ago, playing for Milton Keynes. Uh, since gone to Nottingham, he's, he's been a top, top uh, player for them. 
So you made it 2-2 uh, at the end of the first period. Going into the second, two replies uh, from Dundee. First from Spencer, Dor- Spencer Dorovitz and Marcus Cancampera, who was a player who I, I guess I slated a little bit uh, to begin with, uh, given that his uh, resume uh, in the um, Finnish Liga. Uh, don't think he started with the year well for him, but I think you know he's, he's, he's finding his, his, his feet now. So it's nice to see him get on, get on the scoreboard. Uh, and then uh, a few replies uh, in the third period for Nottingham to level it. Uh, it's Matt Myers on the power play. And then Alec, uh, is it Alex Thoe? Aaron Thoe. Doesn't say full names on Elite Prospect, which is a bit, um, bit annoying. There we go. So it was 4-4 after, after the third period. And then uh, Philip Sarch got a game winner for Dundee and made it 5-4 Dundee after overtime. <laughs> yeah, my game, uh, without wanting to sound like a broken record, because uh, I'm pretty sure I picked Sheffield Guildford last week, uh, is Sheffield Guildford again this week. Uh, just a high scoring, close game. Uh, Steelers went up 1 0 at 9 minutes 57 through Robert Dowd. Uh, quickly went up 2 0 at 10 minutes 47 through Evan Mosey, unassisted goal. Uh, and then all of a sudden the Flames came back very quickly to that 11 minutes 29, a goal through Chris Gerry, assisted by Jamal Watson and Ian McNulty. Uh, and then they scored with a minute and seven seconds left on the clock in the first period. Ian McNulty from Chris Gerry and Brett Ferguson to tie it up 2 2. Uh, into the second period, um, the Flames went up 3-2 with a goal from Ian Waters, uh, assisted by John Dunbar and Alex Ewell. Uh, it was then tied up again by the Steelers this time. Uh, Mark Olivier Valorand, assisted by Evan Mosey and Kevin Schulz. Uh, but then Guildford again had other ideas, went up 4-3 just before the end, well, about six minutes before the end of the period. Uh, Levi Cable from Alex Ewell again and Brett Ferguson again. Going to the third period, um, a short-handed goal for the Steelers, an unassisted goal for Mark Olivier Valorand, broke down one end and, uh, and scored a lovely goal uh, down against Kevin Linsku to make it 4-4. Steelers scored again, Evan Mosey from Sointu and Tommaso Traversa uh, made it 5-4. And then at 48 minutes 20, Robert Dowd from Justin Hodgman and Alex Graham to make it 6-4. Uh, 57 minutes, 57 seconds, Guildford brought one back to make it 6-5 and make the last couple of minutes of the game really entertaining. Uh, Robert Lakovic scored a lovely kind of turn on his heels and, uh, and one-time shot. Um, it was assisted by Chris Jerry again and Kyle Luck. Uh, so the game finished 6-5. Uh, the Guildford Flames managed to make it through the whole game this time without any misconduct penalties or clapping at the referee at the end of the game. Uh, but just a really entertaining game. Um, both sides, I think, at one point probably dismissed the team um, when we went down against the Flames the first time it just kind of felt like we were, we'd got a big uphill battle and then particularly the second time and going into the third period I think the Flames probably felt the same way as we did a couple of weeks ago uh, when we, they went down 2-0 pretty early so a game that kind of kept you guessing all the way through it was one team going ahead then the other and then it was tied and then yeah just all over the place uh, but a really entertaining game to watch um yeah, anything else on the games that have just gone, or have we got anything else to add? Just one thing from me, um, oh. might be sitting all year, it's, it's great to see the Brits getting some game time, and uh, Creator and Fox, now they had a pretty sizable lead against Fife, uh, puts his Brits on, 
And again, it gives him a lot of ice time. Uh, it's, it's the shortest amount of time I think I've seen players like Dowdy on the ice, uh, which is great to see him given those opportunities, uh, especially in league games as well. Now, Brendan Whistle and Cole and Alex have been fantastic in the games that we've seen, again, uh, seen them play. And great to see uh, Cole Shudra and Brendan Whistle score uh, in the Challenge Cup in five. Uh, I believe Shudra has played four games in the Challenge Cup and he's got three points, so he's doing really well there as well. Uh, and Brandon Whistle has played two games and has one point, so it just shows that your Brits, once you give them the chance, they will show up and they can put points on the board, so that's great to see them. Let's hope that they scrap the idea of capping the number of players that then three guys, if Alex, for example, doesn't try again in North America or, or sort of overseas, that they get signed up and uh, be on full-time because, um, as you've said, Andy, when they've played, they've been, they've not being kind of the weak links, they have been more than competitive. Uh, and in any scenario that um, Fox has given them, so, yeah, they've, they've done they've done something good. Um, and let's hope next year that they are in full-time in Sheffield. And there's a few Brits around the league that's kind of getting the minutes and, and doing the business. Um, the one that I wish was still in orange, but is unfortunately in red, Josh Waller, he's doing some outstanding stuff yeah. down in Cardiff. Uh, and if I'm honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if his name's on a notepad with Pete Russell above, under the headline Finland 22. Yeah, 100%. He's been quality. I mean, I, talking about Brandon Whistle for a start, I mean, you, I mean, Dave and uh, I know that you were both at the game on Saturday against Guildford and uh, there was a lovely moment where he pulled a, a great toe drag against the defenceman and shot it near side corner and he Kevin Linsku just managed to get a shoulder to it, but we were all kind of stood there going, if that, if that just managed to go in, it would have been an absolutely fantastic goal. So it's, it's not even talking, like you say, Andy, I mean, that, that was, I agree with you, it's the most ice time I've seen Brits given in Sheffield for a long time. Uh, but it's not even just those games. I mean, Whistle was getting a decent whack of ice time against Guildford in a really close game against the Flames. So it's nice to see them getting a bit more time. And, uh, yeah, and now I've said that, I have a funny feeling I'm talking about a five game, the first leg of the five game, and not the Guildford game, because I don't think Whistle was playing in the first game of the year. Uh, right, I think I'm talking about five, but still played a lovely a lovely toe drag round the defenceman and, and took the shot, and Shane Owen then just got a shoulder to it. Well, definitely a game that Brandon Whistle pulled a lovely move anyway, it's one of the last couple of games. But it's great to see those Brits getting that ice time. Um, Cole Shudra again has been fantastic for us I think Brendan Whistle's getting the, um, the brunt of the praise from our fan base at the moment but Cole Shudra's been doing a stellar job as well uh, definitely making a bid for their uh, their slots on the Sheffield roster next year um, but yeah there's um, also two more guys sorry there's two more guys that I missed out uh, Guildford Nottingham uh, yesterday uh, in Challenge Cup Owen Griffiths and Jordan County scoring for Guildford could have done it all in one go on there Sorry, just missing. Did it all in one go. Save us some time. <laughs> but no. That's going to be a challenge, Dave. He's a soundboard <laughs> for like a SAS incoming. I was just going to say, I feel like we need some kind of soundboard for a SAS. Is it like a SAS noise? <laughs> <laughs> Either that or within the day. No, again, on the series, you know, the players that Andy's mentioned, they are doing very well for the clubs. Um, and I've kind of mentioned it slightly, but it does give Pete Russell that challenge. Um, you know, because, let's see, 
for the tournament in Latvia. He had the challenge of who to pick. He's already he already knows he's not going to have uh, Connolly. He's out for the season and the world champs. Um, Liam Kirk's out for the world champs. So he already is down two. So it's who he brings in. It's a golden opportunity for the guys that are coming to take the uh, the plane ticket to uh, Tampere. I think unless he makes some drastic mistakes, I can imagine Waller's the first one that's booked in on that plane, but it's that last slot and who gets that last slot that will be very interesting to watch. Um, Wasn't he just short the last time, Greg? He was, yeah. He was just shy of it. But I mean, especially this season, 41 games, 20 points. He's only a minus three. Yeah. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's not like just getting... No lip service. He's getting a lot of minutes uh, on that Cardiff team, so yeah, it's going to be some interesting uh, selections and choices coming up in the next month or so. There's there's one thing in fairness, bringing it back to domestic. There's one thing that's driving me crazy as a Sheffield fan is, is seeing certain players not being available for us because they're on a, a contract that favours the NIHL team, which just baffles me to an extent because I just can't see the logic of having that kind of contract. And I'm presuming it's the only way we could get them on two-way deals. But with the Steelers bench as missing a few players as it has been the last few games, it would they would have been the perfect opportunities to get. I know that we tweeted out saying there was no Cole Shooter and no Brandon Whistle, and Cole Shooter actually ended up playing. But Brandon Whistle could have got some decent ice time in that game against Guildford. And he would have done a good job against Guildford and that would have been a great game for him to get that ice time because they are a strong team, they've got a strong netminder and it was a close contested game. So, you know, it's great them getting the ice time against Fife. We get them some ice time against other teams as well. Um, unfortunately, our hands are tied, in particular with Whistle at the minute because Leeds Knights have got dibs on him and it's just a bit frustrating to see that. Yeah. It is frustrating, but I think, like I said, it's the only way, sorry, I mean, it's the only way we could probably got the contract through. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just hope that they've got a full time uh, full time contract next year. Agreed. Have we got anything else to add on on that? We kind of added a bit of an impromptu discussion on Brits there, which I quite like. So it's good when we get to talk about young Brits a bit more. I'll ask um, one question, Breath. Uh, any any? Because I know you guys tend to have like the odd Brit that springs up every now and then, kind of out the out the blue type thing. Anybody? Your guys. That's really stepping up to the point this year. Uh, Finley Olerick stepping up to the point. He's doing, he's getting some really good ice time. And he's doing pretty well for us. Uh, when he's getting the chance, uh, Harry Gulliver's doing well. I mean, he's got a beautiful goal for us. I think it was against probably Belfast. I think we were in our memorial jerseys anyway, but. It was beautiful. He, he literally took the pass whilst his back was towards the goaler, spun around, went to the net, scored. And it was like, you wouldn't think you're a, a young Brit in a two-way. You'd fight with some experience. Or even an experienced Brit like Dowdy or... Say even... Or, yeah, maybe Matt Myers. In a sense, and Ben Davis, but it's like for some of those, it's like fair play. Yeah. That good stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it really is great to see. Cause it's happening a lot across a lot of teams, and 
I'm sure there are players that we haven't mentioned. And in fairness, if there are, and if anyone's listening to this, that have got players that have played for them that have, have, have been put in a particular shift, drop us a tweet because we always like to see that the uh, the young Brits are getting the ice time and getting the game time and putting the points up as well and, and making that presence known because it's, it really needs to happen. And also, what this is doing, whilst you see in the likes of Shudra, Ulrich, Whistle, um, I feel like you said County. I can't remember who else you said. County Griffiths, Gulliver. Yeah. But whilst we're seeing these players do that, what it's also doing is it's pushing, putting that pressure back on the league to revert back to the normal roster rules. Because whilst we're arguing and turning around and saying, well, we're, we're, they're not going to get the ice time on the normal roster, given the current rules, it's putting the pressure on the league to say, what are we doing here? We're going to be completely losing out on the development of some good Brits if we're not giving them the chance. So if we can push that back to a full-size roster as well, it A, helps the teams that get through to the CHL and Conti Cup next year, but B, it gives us full, like four-line hockey with some good Brits included. Imagine the depth on those fourth lines. If the Steelers' fourth line could be, you know, Brendan Whistle, Alex Graham, and someone else on that fourth line, that's a great fourth-line depth. And some great... Maybe put Jonathan Phillips as the centre on that fourth line as a bit of experience between the two younger players you've got some you've got some great chemistry there you've got a great forward line you know so let's hope that that can happen as well you'll put that pressure back on the league and, uh, and well, we've, all, we've all been vocal already about the fact that we want to see that reverted back to the, not the previous rules um, have we got anything else to add on, on Brits and that kind of thing no right we'll move on to the next thing which I have written down which Gref did well not to talk about when he talked about the Belfast Cardiff game um, well, too much. I've got laptop gate written down as it's been branded at one point. Um, I'm not sure how much of a. Well, see, I think Dave, you said this before we recorded. I'm not sure how much of my laptop gate it was more so just a a bizarre sequence of events um, leading to a lot of expletives being thrown out on live TV. A, a very severe criticism of our league from one of the coaches on live TV, and uh, just a real head scratcher moment, boys. What do we make of this one? It's, yeah, head scratch is probably the best word. So I know Griff mentioned um, that Cardiff had equalised in was it the last minute they equalised. It was a minute two left, yeah, or something along those lines. It'd be cool on that, yeah. Um, definitely look what you could have won on them. But they so they got the puck into the net with the very end of the game. And it's reviewed by someone. I don't think it's become. Beneficial line, whether it was a coach's review or a referee's review or a combination of the two, if that's possible at all. Um, but either way, the um, the angles on the Premier Sports coverage would tend to suggest there was very little contact with the goalie. Um, Cardiff fans uh, spent all Friday night sharing it on every single social media platform that they had. Uh, you wouldn't have thought they were upset. <laughs> uh, which led to their coach, who again you wouldn't have thought was upset, um, questioning certain standards within the elite league, um, with a few words that we try not to use on this podcast. Um, but probably more them words than the actual English dialect. But yeah, it's a very strange one. Because um, then the day after the elite league, actually, rarely. To do this, and this is not because I'm actually like this, um, even though it just keeps Cardiff fans happy, I suppose. Um, you had the alternative angles, which 
the referee saw was which would sorry which was to determine why the goal was washed off. Um, two things for me: they really need to carry on doing that because uh, you know if let's just say I and mean, this is going to sound like criticism, but justifiable. If this was at somewhere like Fife or Guildford, um, you've already got one camera. So you're not going to be able to go from a fan's perspective, because I appreciate that there's different cameras and different angles that the referees will have at their disposal at all rinks. But from the fan experience and the user experience, if you've only got the one camera, you, you, you've not got much to work with. So I'd like the league to continue doing that. Uh, what I'd like them to see what they should have done already is through the DOPS is that uh, the head coach of the Devils, Scaldo, was fined for his language. Regardless of whether you think the league is a beer league, which has been mentioned every two minutes when the game's been rescheduled, or that the standard's poor, or whatever, you can't go effing and blinding A to referee and on live TV to the nation. Or whoever's watching it on Premier Sport. You can't do it. It's not a good look. Um, the irony in a Cardiff coach doing that when Cardiff fans used to, straight away when Sheffield was in the CHL, and obviously the CHL, the coaches are mic'd up when Paul Thompson would use industrial language, they were very quick to say that their holy-than-thou coach would never use bad language. And then the irony of what a Cardiff coach is now absolutely ripping into the ref inappropriately, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, just very bizarre circumstances, and yeah, it just kind of you kind of you can't really put fingers on how it just all ended. Obviously, when I say it all ended, but it's, he's whinged about it, and then that's it. He's kind of had his moment, if that makes sense, and then okay, fine, and it's kind of a wasted have you moment type thing because it kind of it just didn't, you know. His interview was interesting. Um, as composed as composed can be I suppose um, after the game and yeah I mean you'd, if this was like the end of the season you could have gone yeah, it's the sign of a, of a coach under pressure but realistically even though Cardiff are a bit behind already behind the eight ball they're not that much out of the, the title race so a bizarre outburst funny one good to see coach with a bit of passion don't get me wrong uh, and he was close to doing it again on Wednesday uh, against Dundee. Uh, but, yeah, interesting. On a boarding call, was it Dorovich or something like that? There was a boarding call. It on. was a boarding call, and then it ended up being 4-4 four four because the guy got up and started swinging. No problem with that. It weren't the best of hits. And the referees didn't go, both of them roughing, and you get the boarding. Just, oh, you've got the boarding, and you've got fight. Two-minute fighting. According to the team, I haven't seen the, the, the game sheet to double check that, but um, and he yeah, weren't happy. It was, it was they changed, so they put so they changed it yeah. on the screen. They put two minutes for fighting, and then they changed it to two minutes roughing. But they still right. cocked it up Maybe because they also then put two minutes for roughing on the other side as well. I just don't think they right. really knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was close, especially when the the face off was then down at the other end, uh, based on that Cardiff was the last penalty to be. Um, picked up for, for one of the better phrase I thought it was a, it was close to uh, uh, losing it then but it's for you know what it's, it's nice to have coaches that although crossing the line is easy to do in that scenario have that passion and show it you know we don't want boring bland 
be the, you know, in a, in a sport of passion. Like, hockey is a game that is actually driven with passion. And all of us who play at a beer league, but it's still, you know, you get that adrenaline, you get all that. So the higher you, the ladder you go up, even the beer league, pro leagues in, in Europe, you see coach with that passion. I mean, there's one last season um, in the CHL, one of the coaches thrown out. Again, you know, the right thing, because he was, he was being... But it's that... Having that passion on the bench, I think it's, it's, it's good to see it from our aspect. It's, but the challenge, obviously, to, to, to cool it, so you don't go over the top, which I think Skull did do in Belfast. But yeah, you know, I want to see more coaches not be abusive, but just have that passion. You know, be prepared to demonstrate. Don't be afraid of. I don't want to say we are afraid, but people going straight on social media. Oh, that's disgusting. Will they think of the? You know, think of the family sport. <laughs> let's let's see it more. Uh, just before anybody else goes, just to confirm, it was it, the game sheet shows roughing and boarding. I think that was just TV. Cock up! I think they they say I think they put fighting and then they changed it to roughing. But then Dundee's also said roughing, so I think they just screwed up. Fair enough. I mean, I always think about the children. I mean, with their pocket money, you got to think of. Don't go down that rabbit hole. What are they gonna? How are they gonna spend their money now? They can't get the chips. But that's for another another day. For me, for me, in the angles that we had on the the video from the or from the Premier Sport, it 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 looked like a bit of nothing. But then, obviously, we've seen the video from above, and we're like, okay, I can see why you'd go with that. Fair play to the league for actually tweeting that out. And also for tweeting certain fans in the Cardiff fan base that were going, this is wrong, this is in the rule about kind of like, actually no, you're looking at out of date, out of date piece of work there. Here's the link to the our actual one that we follow, which is basically saying, you're looking at false information, stop being like Donald Trump, here's a link, do your own research. They started a tweet off with all due respect as well, which was just perfect. <laughs> Brilliant. I loved seeing the passion from Cardiff coach. It was great to see. I mean, I see it most most weeks anyway in our rink with Finner. Always oh, having I got something on over. Does he? I mean, you never know, would you? No, never noticed that before. Nope. No. Never as a player or a coach. But it was... To be fair, it was a really good game to watch. And then, obviously, that added fuel to the fire. And then you go into social media, and you're just like, let's get the popcorn out. It's not a whole lot I can really add to that. I think everyone's sort of covered all all the basis. I think what I will say is the actual event itself of of the, of the goal being called off. Um, having seen both angles, it, it's really difficult to decipher where the goalie contact really is because where, where you think it could be um, a, a goalie interference where he's got his blocker out, but. I'm 
pretty sure by the footage that uh, Beskarani has the blocker to try and basically put Scott was in front. Was it Dixon in front? I don't know. Regi- it was registered that shot, wasn't it? I'm not sure who was Yeah. In. Not sure. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, just sort of looked like he was trying to put him off um, and Bay was in the blocker. Because it was already stuck out. It was, it was already in the player sort of vicinity. It wasn't in the crease. But obviously with the blocker stuck out, it's probably looks like from the camera that he is sort of interfering a little bit, but actually I'm pretty sure Basquani just, just put it there to try and try and put him off or try and move him out of the way slightly. So it, it's a very difficult call as a referee on the ice to make, having seen that. But as a neutral as well, it's it's still very difficult to decide whether it's a goal or not. But I I am leaning towards it of it being a good goal to me, just because of the from what I see. Like I said, it, it was Beskarani putting the player in front off by sticking his blocker out, and that's the only point of contact that I see the Cardiff player have. Uh, there was nothing uh, in any other area of of the, of the goalie's body, so. To me, that to me, that's a good goal. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, I have issues with this one for a few things. The first thing for me is, as far as I can see, um, there's no official review being requested. I appreciate the best Gorawani is an assistant coach for the Belfast Giants. However, as far as you can see, there's no direct request for a video review. Um, the only thing we've got, Dave, I know you said there was, we've not had any confirmation yet. Still nothing's come out to confirm that. What did happen was Liam Sewell went and explained to Jared Scalders just before his outburst of criticising the the, um, the credibility of the league, shall we say. Um, just before we went into that outburst, he asked what the reason for the review was. And Liam Sewell said that Andy Dalton wasn't 100% sure about the goal, so they decided to review it. Now my issue with that is Whoever it was that was on the goal line I'm presuming that was Andy Dalton Just because of what Sewell said Whoever it was on the goal line Signalled very strongly for a goal As soon as that puck went in the back of the net There was no indication from them That they were going to go for a review And and the perfect example is There was a game in I think it might have been a five game uh, Against Sheffield The first leg We scored a goal that went to review And the referee straight away Waved it off Went straight So his arms went out to watch the goal off and went straight for the video review sign because obviously they said this is what we think but we're not sure so we're going to review it there was no indication from the referee at any point that they were uncertain about that until Beskarawani started kicking off at that point and I have no issues with the Rabina review but at that point it should have been an official request from the coach and what that then means and it is significant it then means that if it's considered a goal then then, uh, then Belfast end up with a penalty and the thing for me is it's this, it's this um, inconsistent, and we've used that word a million times with regards to the DOPS, it's that inconsistent use of the rule. And I appreciate, I think it's a new rule this year that you get the delay of game penalty for an unsuccessful review. Um, I, think, I think we played Manchester, and I think Finna requested a review. It was unsuccessful, and you didn't get a penalty. And I remember that being Manchester, because I think I messaged you, Gref, saying, what's going on? So you were watching it on the webcast, I think. And you were like, no, that looked like that should have been a penalty. Like, 
and then you know we've had that inconsistent use it happened in the five game for us yesterday uh, where the same thing happened the Steelers scored um, a goal Shane Owen kicked off at the referee the referee indicated a goal didn't indicate any question on the fact it was going to be reviewed and then went to review it after Shane Owen kicked off the whole point of requesting a review is that the referee's given his goal and the coach is saying no if the referee's just going to cave question his decision and go and review the goal just because the other team are complaining about it, then we're going to start seeing three reviews again. Like, we've got to start applying it consistently. If the referee says goal and doesn't instantly go for the review, the other team has to request it. Because otherwise, it makes that penalty completely pointless. We'll see two a season and that'll be it, job done. Um, so I'm, I wasn't a fan of that at all. The other thing that I didn't like about it was was the fact that on the video footage on Premier Sports, you could actually hear the Belfast, um, the, whoever it was, the off-ice official that was dealing with the video technology, you could hear him physically trying to tell the referees, oh, look, you can see his skates in the paint there. Oh, look, you can see contact there. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't be saying anything. It's the referees that are making that decision. There shouldn't be someone from Belfast that's trying to, in any way, influence that decision. The second that he's doing that is the second that he knows that the referees might not call it. And he knows that because it's very, very, very on the line. So he should have kept his mouth shut, and that's the other thing that I don't like. That decision should have been made by Sewell and Dalton without anybody else saying anything to them. Um... So I didn't really like the way it happened. In fairness, in terms of the decision, I can kind of see it both ways. He was very, very much on the edge of the crease. Um, his skates did cross the crease at one point. If you ask me, I don't think he was in the crease at the point that the contact, in inverted commas, was made. Um, so I'm kind of in the same line of, I can see why it was, you know, waved off. Had the decision on the ice been a no-goal, then I would have been quite happy for the video footage to stand up for the decision on the ice. What I don't think is, I don't think there's enough there to justify overturning the decision on the ice. I think that video evidence is inconclusive because of how close to the line it is. So, that for me, I'm on the same line. I think that was a good goal. I think two things you mentioned there. First of all, from the game's perspective overall, but also from a fan's understanding of the game, I think that line of transparency of how it went to the review is as important as the review itself because, again, like you said, and we've, we've said it too many times, if we're, if we're brutally honest, amongst yeah. all four of us, the inconsistency of stuff. Great that they have this rule. Great that they have this facility. Great that they've now implemented the NHL definition of um, if you're unsuccessful with your review that you go on the delay game penalty I like that as a concept but uh, they have to because I think I don't, don't, don't the NHL now publicly um, put out the information that it was a coach's challenge not a ref- or a referee's challenge I'm pretty certain they do that I'm not sure I've not seen it pretty certain. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I've seen it a few times in Passing on games on sort of maybe a tweet out saying this is or why it was a coach's challenge or whatever, but they actually put that out information-wise. I think that's where the elite league needs to go to the next level to make sure that right. So let's say Sheffield Nottingham on the Saturday, Sheffield score Nottingham challenge it, and it's actually public. This was a challenge by Nottingham. It just gives that transparency, which you know the game can well, can't be harmed in that, in any way, shape, or form. Having that just that line of transparency from the request to to the decision 
I also, I know that you've mentioned it, Griff, obviously with your involvement with the sum in terms of the off stuff, and I know one of the Sheffield uh, lads who's involved, um, I said before that they are not even allowed to talk to the referees when they're reviewing stuff. Even if they've had that relationship through years of working, you know, being volunteers off the rink and helping them out, at that point in time, you can't, they've, they've said before, I don't know you have. So I, I was a bit disappointed that somehow that they thought that they can talk to, because in essence, you know, that's a big decision that they need to work amongst themselves, the two referees. They don't need a you know, person who may not, and I'm not criticising the guy, he may have a very good knowledge of the rules, but not every volunteer in that role theoretically will have that level of knowledge of the game that the referees have. So they don't, they don't need people kind of going, ah, oh, look at this, look at that, no. You have a job to do, you do well, Stick to it. Let the referees do that bit. Like you say, it's when I read that bit, I was like, mm, don't like that at all. Not the type of thing you want to see. No. The, th- the other thing for me, I mean, you say that they, they need to make it more transparent in terms of whether it's a requested review. I mean, to me, there's two things that they need to start implementing. And one of them, they were doing at the Conti Cup when we went to Denmark, which was actually after every goal was scored, they had like a DRS timer like they have in the cricket, which is you've got X amount of time post-goal to request the review. And actually, there were a few times where you'd got the clearest goal in the world and they were standing in the face of circle waiting for the timer to run out just because that was the rule. So if to me, if they had a timer running on the clock and the, if, if, the, if the coach on the bench, and it had to be the coach on the bench and not a player coach, if you make them make some kind of... Like, like in the cricket where they have to make the gesture to say that they want to request a review, just give them something so that you can sit there and go, he's requested that, fair enough rather than it just looking like the refs have gone, oh, okay. The other side for me is, the ruling to me should be, if the referee's made the signal and not instantly gone, we're going to request, or made the signal, talked to the other referee, and then not instantly gone, we're going to review, that shouldn't then be for the referees to review. They've made their decision, they can't question their decision after five minutes of discussions and two players complaining to them. That's not the point of a referee. If you start doing that, when do you draw the line? Do you, you know? Do you complain that much about a two-minute penalty that the referee goes, "Oh no, actually, you're right. I'm going to take that back." They just lose all authority. The, the other side for me is the other, the other option to make it more transparent, and I'd love to see it anyway, just because of how it pans out in the NHL. Mic up the referees, give them the give them the microphone, so that actually they can announce and give the penalties at the time, and they can actually say, you know. Belfast have requested a review on the play. The call on the ice was a goal. We're now going to review it. You know, give it that so that the fans in the building know, the fans that are watching at home know, so that it doesn't just seem like oh, the referee doesn't know what he's doing. I, I agree with you in terms of how long it takes. It lose of um, authority for the referees. But if the referees are discussing it, then go without input from any player. Yeah, I don't mind that. No, I don't see things with that. I, I, I think you may not have been looking going down that yeah. line. Um, if the referees take the time, because you know they may be for whatever well, reason, they might have seen something that the other didn't, and then they yeah. To... So yeah, they talk it. about it and then go, yeah, not a problem. Uh, I'd love the mic up. I know there was the there was the the thing at Sheffield v Belfast. Darnell was mic'd up. No. Did it was like a um, a separate piece after the game just to have that insight into the conversation. Okay, 
you are going to get some industrial language. It's a workplace. But I think referees should be mic'd up. Have that on the webcast. Have it on the TV. Because they do have on the TV. Yeah. Can, obviously, as we know, no. Um, and we know Jared's uh, thoughts on the league uh, because of that. But, you know, have that. Again, I, I think the point you said about them in the stands, as much as it's the same as I was watching too, but them in the stands, you know what's happening. You get that line. Again, it's just that clear line of transparency, which can't be a bad thing, can it? Can it? We, I'd love to have that um, where it gets announced in the arena as well. They've got microphones yeah, and they say they're calling the ice. I'd, I'd love to have that. That'd be amazing. It just, I know that we've talked about things before and said, oh, we don't need to know that. We don't need to know this. Like, like we were talking about the fines. We don't need to know about how much they were fined. We just need to know that they were fined. There are certain things that you don't need to know. There are certain things that you do need to know. And for me, the key thing that the league should be looking at there is actually the only detriment to them doing these kind of things might be a little bit of an expenditure. But in the grand scheme of things, actually, to mic the referees up, you'd only need the equipment to eat, drink. You'd need two, micro- two wireless microphones, and that's it, a drink. To link up to the PA system that every rink has, because every rink has an announcer, and that's it. It's not like it'd be costing thousands of pounds. You know, maybe a couple, well, maybe it might, might cost a thousand pounds across all 12 teams, or two thousand pounds across all, t- all 12 teams, but for the whole season, indefinitely until one of them breaks. Like, but the thing that that then gains. It just gains the, the, like you say, the transparency, but also then it stops the criticism, or it stops a channel of criticism where fans just don't know what's going on, and that's the thing for me. And like I say, we brought in this rule; it's the same rule as the NHL. The coaches have to challenge, and the NHL is very firm with it. And you see multiple penalties given for delay of game because of an unsuccessful challenge. That should be happening here. Fife should have been getting a penalty for delay of game for challenging our goal yesterday because it was clearly only reviewed after Shane Owen kicked off about it. And that's the thing. It's just that transparency of the referees have made the decision. That's it. If you want a review now, that's down to you. And we're we're not going to request it. We're not going to review it just to shut you up. Um, as for, I mean, that was long in the way of talking about that for me, but as for the Scalder incident, like you guys say, it's nice to see that passion. I am surprised to see that there's been no fine on him just on the fact that, um, you know, he was... Firstly, I mean, how that wasn't an abusive official call, I have absolutely no idea, because that... You know, you hear players swear at referees and things like that. It's certainly a different... Um, He's certainly a different onus on the on the players for an abusive official as it is at Rec League. Because as far as I've, I've ever seen, the minute that you swear at a referee at Rec League, you're getting a ten minute misconduct straight away. So it's certainly a different level of a different standard of, of being called for an abusive official. But that was next level. Well, were you just talking about your experience at Rec level? Uh, I may have been talking about <laughs> myself. Um, but no, honestly, it, it just, like you guys have said, the, the passion from Scaldi, you can't question it. And I, I genuinely do rate him as a coach in this league. Um, but I'm just baffled. The other thing I'm baffled about is the fact that Murphy and AD actually said to put the point, let's, oh, let's go down and listen to the refs. I mean, you'd already heard some colourful language by that point. You could already already visually see Jared Scaldi going to town on the referees and what, the decision, what decision had been made. I think we can guess. We've all got imaginations. Maybe that's the time to just go, let's just leave it. <laughs> we don't need to know what they're saying right now. Let's just leave it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it made for an entertaining game. It made for an entertaining moment on social media. Um, 
I think I think going off what we've all said, we're all agreed. But just just for the sake of just going on record and giving our opinions, we'll go round the, the the you know the table and say whether we thought that was a goal or a no goal. I'm imagining. I know what it's going to say. I know Andy, you said goal straight away. Dave, are you are you a goal? I think by the sounds of it, no goal. No goal. No goal. Okay, fair enough. Griff. No goal. Oh, see, I think goal. I genuinely... Someone's got a target, aren't I? I don't think there's enough contact there to say no goal. But... Me and Griff clearly do, but uh, the world no. is boring us all up the same, Ata. But anyway, it's, it's, like you said already, it's a very close one. Um, yeah. Well, that summarised it perfectly. In fact, it does, yeah. 50-50 split, completely unplanned, so... And if people don't like that, it's our opinion. Exactly, we're allowed our opinions, but you're not allowed an opinion on our opinions, so please don't come after us about our opinions, because that's our opinion. I on TV. Is that your opinion, Joe? It is my opinion. <laughs> I'll say one thing about Scalder, straight up. Um, because you look at coaches coming to the league, ones who are out have never been in the UK hockey bubble, and don't get the hockey league. As daft that may sound, you see, like, You've seen coach with decent resumes absolutely nosedive and just really be poor. Scalder was of that nature, and you thought that with Cardiff start, mm, bit ropey. He's learnt very quickly on his feet, and he's starting to to get that. So a bit of kudos to him. As much as you know, I like to see Cardiff further down the league as a Sheffield fan, but kudos to him for at the moment booking up trend, but really getting his team playing. Who's completely never been involved in any teams in the UK before. Um, uh, let's have a few more coaches like him. If I'm going to go to Griff this one, imagine having two coaches absolutely going toe to toe like Blaisdell and Kleinhorst. Oh wow, that would be amazing to see again. Oh, I'd love to see that. If I love to see. I love that altercation when uh, Blaisdell punched Kleinhorst at the time. Anybody who was watched the game for many years may remember that. Um, but, you know, you want to see that. Well, you, you do or you don't. Don't because it's not a good example to the kids and it's against the rules. Let's just put that there straight away. However, for the fans who like a bit of passion, who likes a bit of argy-bargy and all that malarkey, things you love to see. So, you know, keep going, Scalder. Keep, you keep going. You keep doing your thing. You may, you may turn it back around in Cardiff and they may become uh, uh, a force again. Hopefully not for a couple of years. It's good for everyone else to go. But yeah, ah. Scott reminds me a little bit of John Tortorella. I, I don't know if you guys Yeah. Yeah. Does have that vibe about him, yeah. Put a podium in front of him and he'd be banned. I can imagine. <laughs> see him going to the other locker room and trying to get in and then start swinging. Chucky <laughs> Nooks, I think, is the terminology in That's the one. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's throwing Nooks, not Chucky Nooks. Sorry, throwing Nooks, my bad. <laughs> Either way. I could see him doing that. Absolutely. He's just pop round and just turn around the corner and just go straight in. <laughs> no, I think we need more coaches like... I mean, it, do you know what the thing is, though? It's when he was, like, kind of standing, he was leaning towards the bench and having to go at the ref. And I just had visions for a second of... Can you remember in the Panthers game when Rick Schoenemaz was um, was smashing a stick up on the bench because he was annoyed? And I've just got visions of that happening if it carried on. Like Chernemaz in five. That's the one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. 
But yeah, have we got anything else to add on laptop gate? I think we've we've given this enough airtime now. I think, boys, unless anyone's got anything else to add, I think it's done its rounds on social media already. Alex. So let's uh, let's draw a line under that one now. Um, I think, in fairness, we've pretty much summarised the issue over social media. That fifty percent of us think goal, fifty percent think no goal. If that doesn't tell you that it could go either way, I don't know what does. Um, the next thing then we've got on the agenda is the airport lounge uh, arrivals and departures or should we say just arrivals this week um, turn out for the books there's actually only two signings this week so we're actually going to talk about them <clears throat> that's a new cut moment for you um, the first signing that we have is for the Nottingham Panthers uh, and it is Edwin Hedberg and I'll throw it straight over to you guys Everyone's getting elite prospects open now, aren't they? <laughs> oh, just getting a tab. That's uh, that's going to open. I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit out of the blue. Um, but you look at his uh, resume, he, he's been in some decent leagues. He's uh, got CHL experience. Um, and Spengler Cup, he's played in the Spengler Cup. Um Swedish international for a hotel for one night oh that's not you know what that any other business we're talking about that <laughs> um, just because we have to um, yeah so um, gone through the, um, the junior leagues in, in Sweden got points in decent leagues and you, you, you can't kind of grumble at that 880 games in the SHL um, 100 where it was like 134 games in the KHL um, not a bad set of leagues to be, to, to be stiff in that so and um, a season in the uh, the Liga so yeah it's it's a case it's another it's another non-Panther signer when I say non-Panther signer it's a guy that big resume um, you know a thousand games in the show all the razzmatazz it's a player that looks like he's going to do a, a decent job once he gets his feet on the ground and gets the British game um, he looks like he's going to do a very good job um, for the Panthers uh, he's, like I say he's, he played good leagues he played for some decent teams um, you know, uh, he's played for um, Medveska of Zagreb in the KHL uh, Rogla uh, Skeleftia uh, and uh, Litvinov in the, in the Czech Republic uh, so you know he's, he's been in some good places and you don't go to these teams and leagues if you're not if you haven't got any knowledge, you haven't got any decent hockey skill. So, you know, I think he'll do a very good job for the Panthers. Um, may not be the one that turns their season around completely in the aspect of he's going to turn them into a title-winning um, team. But I think he's going to do a very good job for him. And uh, maybe, come the playoffs, he may, you know, really step into his own. That you've mentioned... KHL experience, SHL experience, Liga, Czechia, Arsvenska. There's a lot of good hockey experience there. I think this is probably a question for you guys and you guys listening as well. Have we ever had a Colombian-born player in the Elite League? No. Not to my knowledge. No. That is a good first. No, we haven't. 
be good to see what he's like. In, I'd say like in rinks like Fife, man, our our rink, uh, the smaller type of rinks. That'd be good to see if he's he can what he's like in there because I'm sure he'll probably do well. I mean. 100 and, was it, 134 games in the KHL. He's got 44 points. That's some pretty good going. So I'm sure Panthers fans will be glad to see another body on the roster. Hopefully, well, with their, well, it was their winning streak that they were on since they got rid of their coach. Until last night when they lost three two, but they still made it through. It'll be good to see what he's like. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sure you guys will be after this weekend. You're on mute, mate. My bad. Yeah, he's played in some amazing uh, amazing leagues in the past. I mean uh... He's got a fantastic resume. Um, not much all to say, really. Uh, I think you guys have covered it really, really well. Um, he has joined from Ustersunds in the Hockey Etam, which I believe is the third division in Sweden. Uh, got two points in ten games there. Uh, sort of ran out of uh, steam, I think, in Sweden. Uh, but Britain's going to be a great opportunity for him. Uh, I think he's, he's going to really thrive here. Uh, he's played two league games so far, one Challenge Cup. Uh, nothing as of yet in terms of points, but I don't think it will take him very long, to be honest, at all. Uh, he's played with quite a few former Panthers, actually, in the past before. Just going for an example, uh, in terms of when he played for Medvedev Zagreb in the KHL, uh, on that team was... Jan Sauvey. Jan Sauvey, Alexandre Bolduc, uh, and... I can't, I've, a former Cardiff Devil, Sean Morrison, was also on that team. So he's got quite a few uh, links with current and former uh, Elite League players, which is good to see. Uh, I imagine he, he'll have had uh, contact through some of those guys to sort of uh, explain what the league's like uh, and, and those kind of things. But this seems a pretty good, pretty good pickup for Nottingham. Uh, this is one that I. That I had a feeling, and I think I mentioned this on, on, on the last podcast, that they're bringing someone with a good resume like this to have uh, a really good uh, experience in leagues like the KHL, SHL, Liga, uh, and the Czech League. Uh, but to get a player like this, who was also still at a young age in 27, that, that's a very good pickup. There's not a lot of guys that you'll, that you'll see available who is of that age, but I've played in leagues like this, especially this time of year. So this is a great find for, the, for them and uh, I think one who will bring a positive impact like like have all said he's not a guy who's going to completely change the season around by himself but he's going to give a good positive impact into other people's games I think he's, he's going to uh, bring the current players you know he's, he's going to show, show them the way basically um, given his you know his impressive record of leagues have been in, he's got so much experience, a lot of different sort of uh, game gameplay ideas. Uh, he, he's got a lot of opportunity to the table. 
Uh, and just having a look actually at his elite prospects uh, details. Not sure who it is. It's not uh, Ulf Anderson uh, as usual. But on elite prospects, it says he is an, an excellent skater with impressive top speed and acceleration. So maybe could we see a skater that's quicker than Latal? Have to see. No. no? No. <laughs> also a very hard working player Hedberg has not, in, has not intimidating size But plays big And likes to get involved in the rough stuff Ooh, That'd be interesting Has also some offensive tools And somewhat on nose for the net Has a quick release and is a good team player But it sounds like a very very good uh, Pretty much The kind of guy that Nottingham needs right now uh, So un- until we uh, We've seen him play We can't really judge him but I think I think he's going to give them a, a very good, very good impact. I always love it when Elite Prospects has a bio on a player. It always makes it a hell of a lot easier to, um, you know, to give a bit of an, uh, a bit of an opinion on. Um, although Hedberg has not intimidating size, is a great uh, grammatical sentence, isn't it? Um, no, this guy looks like a, a good player to add to the roster. Like you guys have said, he's played in some top leagues. Dropped down a little bit, obviously. Hockey Alsvenskan last season, Hockey Etan this season, uh, and three games for the Panthers so far. If he can come in with some speed, he can come in with a quick release shot, I think he'll be a good addition to this roster. Uh, bearing in mind that the issues that they've had this season, it doesn't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily need a guy to come in who's going to be a top goal scorer. They need a guy who's going to give this team a spark. They need a guy who's going to give this team some some competition. Uh, actually, since the departure of Tim Wallace, they've been doing pretty well. Um, and granted, this guy hasn't contributed in terms of points or penalty minutes or anything. As far as elite prospects is concerned, he's only played three games with literally nothing else happened. Um, but, you know, he looks like a good addition. I think he's got some good experience there to bring to the locker room as well. Um you, you you surprised me, Andy, that you've gone through some of the players he's previously played with and you, you missed out two particularly high-up ones on the list as a Sheffield fan, as he actually played with Barry Brust between the pipes at one point for Medvedskak's Zagreb, and also his sports manager at the team for Zagreb was Aaron Fox, which he played I on... I thought you would have mentioned uh, Martin St-Pierre. He also, yeah, also played with Martin St-Pierre... Uh, Mike Hedden was another one. There's a number of, uh, of elite league players that have played under this uh, under this Zagreb team. So, I was looking at that, but I, I just couldn't because he's been always been a lot of teams. I got the wrong. Yeah, sort oh of yeah, no, 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 that's that's definitely <laughs> a rabbit hole you can get down if you start looking for all his teams. Other holes are available. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's also played with another goalie between the pipes. That uh, popular Belarusian goalie that is Danny Taylor. Um, so you know. Just, just, just prompting for the, the homegrown players there, but um, yeah, no, he looks like a great addition to the team, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he brings this Nottingham team along. Uh, Matheson and Lee seem to be doing a good job between them so far in terms of coaching. So, who knows? And one little side note on that: I don't think we mentioned this last week, but um, Tim Wallace has also been uh, been signed up as well now. Uh, he's been signed up as a player for Milton Keynes uh, in the NIHL, and he's also been signed up, I think, as di- is it, no, it's not director of hockey, it's head of player development or something like that, I think, for Milton Keynes. So it's good to see him landing on his feet and getting another role. Didn't honestly expect to see him back playing. I don't know what anybody else thought on that one. No, not, at not all. surprised given how, of what I've seen, how poor Milton Keynes have been. 
Yeah, oh yeah, we know what the drop-down's like the NIHL, we've talked about the issues that that is, so in fairness, I've no doubt he can compete. I just he'll, thought... he'll give him something to, to get going, I mean, I know we've watched him play against Milton Keynes, uh, the Seal Dogs, uh, yeah. once in TA Joe, and I've, I've seen him a, couple, a previous time, they're not... They've not got much going for him at the moment, um, so but again, he'll do the spark thing for him, um, and yeah, fair play to him. Fair, you know, in these times, he's got a job, and that's the main thing. Yeah, this is this is very true. I just popped in my head. I just thought I'd mention that. Um, have we got anything else to add on Hedberg, or are we we happy to move on? Uh, the other addition. Uh, in the airport lounge today is uh, the Cardiff Devils have signed Riley Brandt. I'll throw that straight over to you guys. First pro year. Um, played a lot of junior, a lot of college. A surprising signing. And I say that with a lot of respect because he did look quite good last night. Um, but Kind of gone down the lines of not the type of signing like Cardiff would make, like we've said before with Nottingham. But you look at his resume and, you know, decent points. He's got some, he's one year was captain of the Vernon Vipers. Um, and he started at the Grant McEwen University in the U Sport. He was 7 plus 3 um, in 10 games. Uh, it gives him um, I think he's uh, Injury cover for someone Can't remember who it is Who's uh, Injured at the moment For the Devils But he, he comes in And gives them that replacement But you know Again you know, We've seen a few U-sport players Come across And actually do well So he could be another one uh, Like I said last night He looked decent He looked pretty sharp uh, So who knows Um just not the when I say not the normal sign, it's just obviously they Cardiff have now got that right over the last four or five years of, of players with good resumes um, from decent leagues, etc. etc. Good against the grain in that concept, but yeah, you don't have to have that resume to be a good hockey player. And on last night showing could be the case. Um, let's you know, let's see if he's if he stays around long enough. I mean, be fair, you won't go from a university team, assuming you're not an alumni player to go and get a career your first pro team sorry um, in mid-course assuming um, could be completely wrong there so you know he'll, he'll give himself a chance to earn, earn a spot for the rest of the season I think the three players well according to Elite Prospects just before someone else goes I think according to Elite Prospects the three injuries currently are Brody Dupont Josh Lamon and Brandon McNally. I don't know how current that is. They're the three players listed as injured on Elite Prospects. I'm pretty sure it's Josh Lemon that he's come in for. Yeah. yeah um, as you mentioned, it's not really a, a Cardiff signing, as much as you would say. You'd think he's more like he's coming to play for either ourselves Dundee, Fife, maybe even Coventry. I think he'd be like that, or Glasgow. He could be in those te- those types of teams. But hey, the game he played last night was he looked quite decent. The 
looking at his points in the U Sports League. 40 games, 46 points. That's 1.15 points per game. That's quite decent. It is a quite a, quite a decent league for University League over in Canada. Partly very rough from what we've been told from players that have played over there. It's like, fair play, are you coming over here? Kind of the same game sometimes. It's... I'm sure when Cardiff signed him, they're like, yes, another body. Hopefully, he can do well whilst Lamont's out. And who knows, it could even get him a contract for next season. You're absolutely right. It's... uh... It's, it's not very often you'll see uh, Cardiff sign someone up from literally straight from uh, from University League or uh, the the juniors or the minors. You know, it's, it's 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 his first pro season, which, as Greg pointed out, you'd definitely associate with um, one of the Scottish teams are in Belfast. I mean, Belfast have had quite a few players over the years that have turned out to be pretty decent. I mean, Kendall McFall. Uh, one that particularly stood out for me uh, in the past who I think just signed from the U Sports League uh, he played two I think seasons and for me he stood out pretty well for Belfast uh, but going back to Cardiff there's quite a few players who have had U uh, Sports experience uh, just going from uh, elite prospects we've got Cole Sanford uh, we've got Trevor Cox and I think Brody DuPont has played a few games in, in the U uh, Sports League as well uh, but obviously with them they've had at least one year of pro pro hockey before that. So it, it is very strange to see someone sign straight from a league like that to Cardiff. But you know, if if the guys have already played in those leagues before, I think they'll do a pretty decent job here. Uh, I did see a little bit of him from the, on the podcast, the Cardiff one, and for his first game, I think he did very very well. To quite honest, he did very well indeed. So. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely out, out of the blue one for me, but I think a guy that can already make a positive impact on what is a very strong Cardiff team, and I'm pretty sure he, he may have played with some of the current players in the New Sports League or any other uh, sort of minor league before, so I think he may already have that connection, uh, and that to me goes a long way in the locker room because everyone knows when it, what a no, as a, as a new guy, don't know anyone. Everyone knows what it, how intimidating it can be at first, uh, especially when it, it's a new country, new league, completely new set of teammates to get used to. So it's it's going to be a, a lot of uh, time to sort of settle yourself in. But I think for for a guy like Brand, I think he'll settle in very quickly and uh, start really making uh, making his stamp on this team. Yeah, listen, I mean. Cardiff don't need a guy to come in and score 30-40 goals for them. You know, currently they have three players on their roster that are over a point per game. They've got Brody Reed, Justin Crandall, Trevor Cox, Cole Sandman's 24 points from 27. They don't need top-scoring players right now. They've got those. What they need is to add depth to the roster when they've lost a few players. And Jeff, like you said, he's come in as a body to do that. Um... And this guy looks like he's got the, the, the potential 
to add a little bit more. And, you know, for me, a championship winning team isn't a team that's got a top first line. It's a team that's got a top third and fourth line. Other teams that are going to win the championships and take some silverware out. Because you can't just rely on your first line or your first two lines to get those goals. And I think this is what this guy's going to do. He's going to give depth. Granted, he's probably going to be on their third or fourth line. But I think he's going to give their third or fourth line some good depth. And the thing is, like we've said before, gents, players coming out of university leagues, particularly mid-season like this guy is, Andy, you, you said he's not going to come over from uh, you know, the university league over, into, over, over to come and play in Cardiff and play in the UK for nothing. Like This guy is coming over to make a name for himself. Granted, he might have expected that he might have, might have done a bit better than ending up in the British League quite so early on, you know. But he's here, and now we're a stepping stone league again. We're not a retirement league, so it's a good sign for the league again that we're getting more players. It's a good sign for the league that, like you guys have said, we're filtering these players into the top table teams. You know, as much as we don't like calling certain teams out for being the top table teams, Cardiff, you can't argue, are oh, one of the top teams in the league. They're the team that's, that's won the most league titles over the last five years. You know, it's good to see the players of that age also filtering through to them because, you know, it's not now just the case of, oh, we can't afford this player, we're going to go for someone in the U Sports League. You know, this guy's coming into a top league, he needs to make a name for himself. For all we know, he could be the spark that Cardiff need to take them from battling with Belfast and Sheffield to beating Belfast and Sheffield and taking that silverware. He could have just been the last bit of that jigsaw. And if he's not, they've got a player to cover an injury. So either way, it's a win-win for Cardiff. It's a win-win for this guy to get some some, some experience under his belt in a pro league. And uh, again, similar to the, to the Nottingham signing, like we said, one to watch uh, and one to see what happens. But from what, what I've heard, I've not really seen him play as of yet because they say I didn't watch the webcast yesterday and I didn't watch the webcast. The uh, Yeah, I've not seen him play for Cardiff yet. However, what I've heard... Uh, is, is similar to what you guys have said a good play, a good looking player that looks to have slotted into the roster nicely already um, so yeah a spot on signing by the looks See he has played against two elite league players in the British Columbia Hockey League Scott Conway and Sam Jones and they're not, made, they're not doing too bad for themselves now in the elite league either you know? definitely not <laughs> So, uh, I mean, Scott Conway is just unreal at the moment. So, I said, was also part of Chris Ellis's unintentional troll on the Sheffield fans when he posted about the uh, Scott Conway, Pickinich, and uh, who's the third guy on that line? Uh, Goodwin line for Belfast, saying he thought it was the top line and causing a bit of a uh, ruffling a few feathers. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a great, it's, it's another good sign. Uh, and like I say, boys, it's good to see us being a stepping stone league and not a retirement league. I think that's the thing to take from it as a neutral fan. Is uh, It's nice to see. Have we got anything else to add on the airport lounge or can we close up for the day? Really terrible way of ending that, but we're just going to move on. The next thing that I've got written down, so if you cast your mind back a few episodes ago or so, back into 2021, I know no one wants to cast their mind back into 2021, but if you cast your mind back a few episodes ago, we did start to do first impressions on teams within the league, and one team that we neglected at the time was the Glasgow clan, 
for obvious reasons of starting the league late and we wanted to see them play like we'd seen every other team play by the time we came to uh, to discuss them. Now is the time that we've all seen the Glasgow clan play uh, and the time that we're, we're now going to kind of summarise a bit more about them and, and kind of how the start of their season's been. Uh, so I'll throw it out to you guys. Uh, Glasgow, what, what do we make of them so far? Uh, looking from when I've seen them play against ourselves, they've got a half-decent roster. They've got a really good D-man in Cody Saul. He's quite tall, but also a really good D-man. And then obviously it's a guy with a, one of the best names ever, Bukaboo. But then... Second to that, also a great name, Yellowhorn. There's, on this team, they, they do look pretty great looking looking wise. I mean, if, when they come, when it's their, when they're on like their day, some of the players in there, you're thinking, oh great, they're going to put a fair few passes. Like Matthew War, he's done it many times before. For Glasgow, for you guys, Nolan Laporte, he can put a fair amount of goals in. Jamie Crooks can, you've seen it in Guildford. You've got the Brits, as in like Matt Haywood. He's, as always, just being stellar for them. It's when they've got their heads in the game. They can be really good. It's when they go one or two down, they start to lose their heads. Like, oh, some teams do do that as well, but you want your team to be like, right, here's how we're going to get back into this game. From the games I've seen against us, their, their main person is their goaler. Shane Starrett he I think the first game we played against him he stood on his head for them and saved I think at least 50 shots and it was just like oh wow okay the fact that he's got he's still got his uh, his, his goaltending equipment it's all from your AHL team Joe Wilkesbar. Yeah, he's still got all them. So, obviously, if you're a Penguins fan, you're going to love his equipment. You have a look now, I've not noticed that. Yep, on his mask, he's got the penguin. His pads are black and gold. So, it's very Pittsburgh for you. <laughs> No complaints. But on paper, um, that this is a solid team, and having seen them, they're a very, very good team together on the ice as well. I don't think they will win games as much as what they should be doing, but they can definitely uh, sneak points, as we've seen them uh, against Belfast last night. Uh, very easily sneak points past uh, some of the big teams 
I know they took, uh, they've taken a few, te- a few teams to overtime as well. So this is a, this is a very, very solid group that uh, Malcolm has put together. Uh, just pointing out, uh, in particular, Matthew Waugh, who has played for Glasgow uh, for a few seasons, had uh, last season off, obviously because of the pandemic, but um, he, he, he's come back and he's, he's a top scorer right now. He has... 24 points in 20 games, which is incredible. Uh, also going to point out uh, Mitch Jones, who was joined, I believe, only a few months ago. He has played 12 games and already has 11 points. So, again, I think that's another great signing for Glasgow. Uh, another D-man in particular I've, I have uh, seen and really, really enjoyed his defensive play. Not got many points, but uh, Mikko Vainanen, he's, he's been stellar as well. I think defensively. So this, this is a very solid group. Uh, can take points off anybody on any given night. Uh, definitely the dark horses as well. And this is what I've seen from quite a few teams in, in, in the bottom six is they may not have the strongest roster compared to some of the other teams higher up, but they can still take, take points off you. If you're not in, on your game, uh, these guys are right in, in that review uh, mirror and, and they can surprise a lot of people. Uh, especially, it, it was a strange one for me given uh, giving Dyson Stevenson the captaincy, uh, obviously stripping Matt Hayward of that. Uh, that was a very, I think, strange move. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a great player and a great guy as well. I, mean, I think we've seen a few times where he's is uh, giving sticks and and puts the puts the crowd, and that, and that just shows the type of guy that he is. Uh, he's very great with the fans, uh, and I think that's why he has a captaincy. Is you know he's he's not just a team player, but he's a player that crowds you know really love engaging with, and 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 he loves engaging with the fans as well. So that's a great addition to, to Glasgow. We've got a great following. Glasgow have and very very committed fan base so uh, yeah looking pretty strong Starrett has been incredible as well definitely one of the uh, top goals to say he's obviously Glasgow haven't played as many games as a lot of other teams but Starrett starts they, they really are up there in, 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 in the top five still so yeah this is definitely a surprising team yeah I'll follow the um Excuse me, the lines of the surprise team. And again, another one who's more than impressed with Starrett. Um, and I can see him winning Glasgow a fair few games when they probably don't deserve it. One thing I did like from the time I've watched them, uh, the transition's quite good from defence to offence. That transition is really good. Um, so it just depends if they've, they've got. They've got the tools to be a team that can compete well in the playoffs and you know push for that final four spot um, in that respect. And I'd, I'd say Challenge Cup didn't obviously end it. They have that. They have that kind of a look of commentary in the context of you don't think they're going to go far in the league, but they, the type of the one-off games, the cup games, they can pull off a few shocks. But they've got that all-round. Um, Ability. It's just a case of their schedule is going to kill them. No two ways about it. That's, that's going to really harm them. That they're going to, especially when you're limited in, in terms of if they get injured or anything. But they do have a. They do have. A, I like the look of what I saw um, at Glasgow. Again, because their coach is another one who's new to the, the UK scene. So 
his his interview was again was it against Nottingham? I don't know who it was against, but it was on about players needing. Yeah. Against Nottingham, where they had to find players riding on the uh, unicycles and, and stuff like that. Um, already showing a bit of a, a bit about himself again, another a character. So I think once Glasgow get or allow more than two hundred fans in, in the crowd, I think they're going to be. They're going to be enjoying what they see. Um, you, you know, you've got you've got your Matthew Wire, you've got your, your Haywoods, and the people that you know that you know the stable core of, of Glasgow playoff final four contenders for me. I think this, it's one of them. You know, that if they get that bit of form and they they have some energy left, that's going to be the key for them. If they've got if they've got anything left in the tank come the end of the season, and they just hit some form. Maybe another. Maybe alongside with Coventry, you don't want to play him in that quarterfinal. Yeah, twenty games played so far, eight wins, ten, eight wins, ten losses, two overtime losses. So they've not had the best start. Um, you know, they've got some results uh, against some good teams, and then they've they've had some pretty blowout results as well. I mean, you look at them: five one win against Manchester. 4-1 win against Fife, the 4-1 loss against Glasgow, 6-0 loss against Belfast, uh, 5-2 win against Coventry. You know, very mixed bag in terms of the results they've had so far. Obviously, you guys have alluded to their uh, the last game, 3-1 against Belfast. Um, and that's the thing with this team. I'm going to make a flat statement now. Well, I don't. These guys aren't going to do anything this year they're not going to lift any silverware and I don't think they're going to be contending for a playoff spot it wouldn't surprise me if they don't even make it to the quarterfinals in the playoffs and the sole reason for that is they've had a shaky enough start as it is and like you guys have said their schedule is just absolutely killer I've just had a flick through um, going on like the Saturday the 26th of March onwards they've got Saturday, Sunday Tuesday, Friday Saturday, Monday Saturday, Sunday are their last few games of the league you know they're playing. They're regularly playing three games a week. Um, it's going to make tired bodies. They've already got Matthew Wah, who at one point retired because of the state of his body and the state of the injuries that he's suffering. He's in great form at the moment. Take him out of that roster. You tell him that they're going to be able to get a result against Belfast. They're going to be able to get a result against us, against Cardiff, against Nottingham. I think that is going to be the killer. Is the the toll that it has on their players from the number of games. Um, in terms of stats, you know they're, they're, they're currently they're currently fighting a difficult battle. Their average goals for at the moment is two point six. Their average goals against is three point two. So they are averaging generic losses at that point. Their win percentage is forty five percent. So they are on the the, the 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 back end of that scale, but with a lot of room for improvement and a good team behind them. <sighs> And, you know, as I say, you guys have touched on it. Matthew Watt, 24 points in 20 games. Colton Yellowhorn, 20 points in 20 games. For a team like this to have two players averaging, you know, a goal, a point a game or, or over that is is pretty good going. Uh, Nolan Laporte, 13 from 17. Mitch Jones, 11 from 12. Colin Campbell, 10 from 19. So they do have some good players that can get them the points. Um, and, again... We've talked about teams like Guildford being a silverware stealer, um, you know, and, and those kind of teams that aren't going to win the silverware but could certainly cost you it. Um, you know, if we beat Belfast in the league, let's say we win the league or Cardiff win the league and it goes to a battle between the winner and Belfast, 
let's say it's by a game, their heads are going to go straight back to remember that 3-1 loss against Glasgow. You know, they can definitely lose a team the league. I just don't think they're going to, they're not going to contend for anything themselves. I honestly don't think they'll be in that playoff race at all. Completely agree, if they make it to that playoff race, certainly not a team that I want to play. Certainly not a game that I'll be taking for, for granted, but I can't see them being in that race just because I think this, this schedule is going to kill them. I think they're really going to struggle. Um, disappointed to not see them in the Challenge Cup, so hopefully, do you know, Obviously, now they've got everything sorted. Hopefully, we're seeing them back in the year, in the Challenge Cup next year. Um, I hope I'm wrong because it'd be great to see a Scottish team back up there. I just don't think it's going to happen this season. But nonetheless, a good team that Glasgow have put together. They started the league late, so I actually think, in fairness, as far as what they've done so far, it's been pretty good. And actually, if they can pick that form up a little bit more, um, you know, they're certainly one to watch. Uh, like you guys have said, that interview with Malcolm was just top-notch. Never quite heard the coach so blatantly go out after 20 games and say, I don't like what I've got here and I'm actively looking for players. Um, it clearly gave him the kick up the backside that it needed with that 3-1 win against Belfast. Um, so let's see how they go on moving forwards. But, yeah, for me, a good team. I just I think they're going to fall short this year. Um, anything else to add on Glasgow? Seeing, shaking heads. So we'll go through to the next thing. We've got the Challenge Cup. Uh, the Challenge Cup, obviously the quarterfinals have now been completed. Uh, obviously, as we said earlier, the teams that will be progressing are Belfast, uh, Nottingham, Sheffield and Cardiff. The Devils beat the, Dun- uh, the Dundee Stars. The Steelers beat the Five Flyers. The Giants beat the Coventry Blaze. And the Panthers beat the Guildford Flames. Could next match up... Um, both games are provisionally scheduled for the 23rd of Feb. Uh, we've got Belfast Giants scheduled to face off against Nottingham in Belfast and the Steelers to face off against Cardiff in Sheffield. Um, what do we make of this, boys? Anything to anything to say on, on, the, on the Challenge Cup? Two big games. One attacks all. Bit of excitement. Looking forward to it. That's all. And there's not really much for me to say apart from that. Maybe a bit of excitement for you guys. We've not had any. We put it in the back burner, just like Glasgow did. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see you in the the final, considering it can't be a, another Cardiff v Steelers final like it was last time. It could well and truly be a neutral venue next time. It's very interesting uh, that they uh, have adopted the rule of it being a standalone game, but you couldn't understand why, we, as we discussed sort of last week with all the game postponements, it was only right that they did that uh, midway for it to just be a one game so that they can catch up on fixtures with, with the other teams. So, uh, not being a sort of just sort of decision but um, I think it's going to bring a very more interesting dynamic to you know to this game as a one-off instead of it being a two-leg event uh, it's, 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 it's going to be different and you're going to see players engage right from the start of it you know they're 
it, it's going to be back and forth. Obviously, back and forth, and uh, also interesting that they're trying to make it a uh, what's been described by Steelers social media uh, as a league event, whatever that means. Uh, remains to be speculated about, but we can all imagine it, it, it's you know, like a neutral sort of event where no one is really the home team. It's it's just trek like the final is so be very interesting to see what happens and uh, I think quite a few shocks like, like I mentioned last week as well with it just being one leg I can see some surprises coming uh, not sure who but could definitely definitely see that happening yeah this one proves is right gents I mean um, you know we don't really like to refer to the top four teams um, you know it does seem quite derogatory to discount certain teams particularly the likes of Guildford who have who've really, and commentary and fairness of recent, really shown themselves to be a good contenders to break into that top four. This season in particular, you see the top four that we constantly refer to, Belfast, Nottingham, Sheffield, Cardiff, they're your four left in the competition. Um, you know, I, turn, I turned around, I tweeted straight away when, I, when they confirmed the draw, not the team that I'd like to have seen a space off against. To be honest with you, I don't think I'd have been any happier playing against Belfast, and I don't think I'd have been any happier playing against Nottingham. Both these fixtures could go either way, um, and they're certainly both going to be good games to watch. Yeah, it's a shame that they're both on the same day, actually, because if they could have done some kind of one, one semi-final on one week, one semi-final on the other week, and had those as two two Premier Sports games, I think that would have been good for the league. So I think these promise to be two very, very good games. Uh, and the fact that they're single leg now, the fact that this one game winner, as the Steelers put it on social media, which was a strange way for me to put it on a. Um, on a semi-final but you know the winner takes all games in their respect of the winners will just go through without any need for a second game uh, it does kind of bring almost a finals vibe to the semi-final uh, so if there's any level of the tension that we had in, in Cardiff when we were watching the Challenge Cup final uh, there's certainly some, uh, some entertainment in store uh, and there's certainly looking to be some kind of increase in alcohol being purchased from the arena because that was a tense game with the need of, uh, of alcoholic accompaniment so We'll uh, we'll see how both those games go, but uh, but yeah, very very uh, very very interesting. Very be very good to see who goes through to the next round. Um, I'll throw that out to you guys. We do like to predict things. We do usually get predictions wrong, so I'm going to ask you now: which two teams go through to the final? Which team lists the silverware? Belfast Sheffield to the final. Sheffield to retain. Uh, yeah, Belfast Sheffield final. But I'm gonna say Belfast to win it. You threw breath because you can't say Manchester. I could. I do actually think about saying that. To be fair. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna say Sheffield Belfast, but again, I'm I'm, I'm not being a homer on this occasion. I'm gonna say Belfast to win it. I'm going to say Belfast Cardiff with Cardiff to win it just to do something different <laughs> no honestly genuinely could go on anyway uh, I mean we've all discounted Nottingham completely from that and I think Belfast have been really strong Nottingham could come out on any given day and beat Belfast we know that so 
it wouldn't surprise me. It could be any combination of the uh, of the four teams that are, that are playing in that final. Um, anything else to add on, on Charles Cup? No. Dave, I think I'm going to throw this one over to you. I don't think there's really much to talk about on this one, but it's the CHL, so I usually throw this one over to you. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, breaking news, Luca Rama is going to be in the CHL final because the team can't play due to COVID. Um, jokes aside, Luca Rama. Um, but the semi-final that had been cancelled, or the both legs had been cancelled due to Munich being in COVID protocol, that was scheduled for the 25th, has already been cancelled because Tapara are now in COVID protocol. Uh, so this, this game may get played. We may have a semi-final. Or we may see Rogler just uh, waltz off with the CHL trophy without playing the final. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting how they get that game in within a month to then have the build-up to the final. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting interesting. I think this is where the, the, step, the overall COVID test of how you do a, get a season finished, I think this is where it's going to really start to see the uh, the minerals of what actually the, the CHL could actually do to ensure that the games can play and the 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 honesty of the game and the, the games tournament can actually go ahead and filter through it and get an honest end result um, but it's you know it's getting quite tight for time I reckon they do it via like NHL 22. Get the cons- get the controllers out. CPU, no, CPU. <laughs> yes, do that. Like how I right. did it for the playoffs. He, he did it for the uh, the elite league playoffs. Yeah, maybe that's what they need to do. But yeah, it's the rules. They're running out of time to to, uh, to fit it all in by first of March for the year for the final. Bring back to the NHL sort of thing. It, it, it takes me back to when we uh, did the Save by Lundqvist drinking game. <laughs> At the CPU VCPU, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a drinking game that was! Oh, it was great. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to work it out. But no one knows at this stage because obviously we're on a tight, we're on a tight schedule as it is. It's just a matter of whether uh, all teams involved can, can work around the current fixtures in, in the league, uh, sort of put them back a little bit, which already could be a struggle. Uh, some other teams may be already be in protocol too. So it's very difficult to say what could happen. But I think if they could just, just have... So the final one week and then the final next week, it gives both teams at least a bit of time to prepare. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I we've not really been in, in this position before, uh, as of the last year, it, the whole event was cancelled. So, yeah, who knows how they're going to work it out? But I, I'd hate to be the guys in charge because it must be an absolute nightmare and a right headache to be uh, trying to resolve it right now. Yeah, it'd be a shame to see um, to see it just result in Ruggler winning by, I'm going to say by default, because they have got this far and they have beaten the uh, 
the team to beat in the tournament, but it would be a shame to see it won in that way. Like you say, David, it'd be good to see it with an honest result. Um, also, in fairness, with no disrespect intended to Rogler, if Tapara win, then I'm going to be supporting Tapara. <laughs> and if uh, Munich win, then I'll be supporting Munich in that one, but more just because I like both teams in the semi-final, in the other semi-final. So, We'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that one, but like we say, time's running short on it, and uh, Andy hit the nail on the head perfect there. I would not like to be the person getting the logistics sorted for this one, but uh, hopefully we can get an, a good final to watch. Uh, if not, the Rungler game was good fun to watch. It was a decent game against uh, against Frölunda, or a decent couple of games against Frölunda. Um, let's hope it's not the last this, this season in the CHL. Um, anything else to add in the CHL, boys? No, I'm disappointed. I've just watched the Senators score against the Pens. Um, one thing that we didn't add to the agenda, which I've realised as we were recording, is we had two questions that were added to the My Fancies and Only discussion group. Um, they'll be relatively quick questions, I think, or at least one of them will. The first question that we had, which I definitely can't take part in because I didn't watch it, was Jay Dizzle asked a question of a review of the game in Cardiff if you're watching it, which I think was the Cardiff Dundee game last night. Any 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 comments on the game last night from you guys? Decent result for, for Cardiff. Um, Dundee huffed and puffed, but just couldn't get anything going. The very nice goal, Cardiff fifth. Um, I think when it was 4-1 I think if Dundee managed to squeeze another goal I think Cardiff may have panicked but they, they held on a, to a, with a professional performance uh, to get back in that, uh, to that game it's a shame that when the game was meant to be played I genuinely think given the run and everything I genuinely think Dundee may have got through um, to the semi-finals but uh, no fair play Cardiff uh, you know, good performance from from uh, back to front. It was a shaky eleven minutes for Dundee to concede four goals straight off. Josh Waller getting another goal. It was actually really good to to see. <laughs> then you always you see another well two instances where coaches are in passion shown there. Omar at his team. But then Jared at the officials. It was a really good game, I thought. And I don't know if you watched it, mate. Um, I didn't watch it, but going by uh, through what I can gather on on, on a score sort of point, as, as Greg mentioned, the damage was done in the first period. You know, uh, they did incredibly well to get that 4 to advantage going in, into Cardiff, but if if they hadn't conceded that many goals in the first period, it, it, it's always... When it does happen, it, it's always going to grind you down and uh, you're going to think, what we're supposed to do is caught this many goals now. Uh, the general point is is that when they do score that many goals in the first period, you, your head's just going to drop and you're not going to be on your game. Is, is is what you would be. So it, it's a it's a big confidence um, sort of takeaway on that play. But Cardiff stats, like I mentioned before, they've got they've got a lot of players on on that roster who can score, who can put points up. Uh, and, and like mentioned before, Josh Waller, 
he's, he's been on fire recently, so it's not surprising to see him on the score sheet. But yeah, just that first period, I think if it had, if it had been a, a few less goals, I think Dundee would still have had that that fire in the tank to, to try and get a couple more. But going going in, into Cardiff, whether they've got fans or not, it's a, it's a very difficult place to play, and a two goal advantage for me just isn't enough against a team like them. You've got to have at least three or four. But yeah, just just that first period, I think. Apart from that. I think they could have well had a chance of going through, but yeah, it's just a real shame to give up that, that many goals in the first period. Yeah, I've said I didn't watch it either. I saw a couple of goals that I flipped onto it in the period breaks for the Steelers, but just a perfect game played by Cardiff, isn't it, really? I mean, you, you, you play the game where you've got a two goal lead and you're chasing a two goal lead straight away. The perfect start to that game is to completely get rid of that two goal lead and then to give yourselves a two goal lead. Um, absolutely spot on and that's exactly what we know this Cardiff team capable of um, you know it sounds like they played to the game plan to perfection and you know Dundee didn't really have much to answer to that um, anything to add on the Cardiff game we'll go to the other question then that we've got this is Joe Shires has asked per person your up and coming youngster to watch can be any team not necessarily the team you support on the fact that we forgot questions I will just throw it in there that we haven't prepped for this at all so this is going to be completely off the bat for people so it's a pause that's why <laughs> there's a guy at the Steel Dogs who for lack of I can't remember his name but Jab no not Jab um, I'll, I'll dig the website up now um um, we were talking about it, Joe, uh, last game that we went to. But I thought he really stepped out. Um, and I think, yeah, he could be uh, a good player. Yeah, I know who I he can't think of. No, I can't think of his name. I'll, I'll come back to you. Um, yeah, just say I'll just say mine if you want. <laughs> I go with Jack uh, Jack Hopkins, seventeen-year-old Nottingham player, currently playing for Telford in the NHL. Seventeen years old, twenty games, thirty points. Some good going that. <laughs> You're up, Andy. Oh, go on then. Uh, I'll still try to find one as well. Uh, I'll try. I'll try out Dave actually. Uh, but it's a very difficult one to pick, to be honest with you. And um, I think I found him, but he's not an up-and-coming Brit, as it turned out. But he was one who really impressed me um, for the Steel Dogs. Uh, so I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll I'll dig a bit deeper for next week, Joe. Um, both Joes, um, and, and get a. Uh, a good response uh, to the question. Sam, Andy, that's you, mate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go actually quite off off the board with this one. He's, he's, he's not a player that is currently playing uh, in the UK, 
Uh, he is playing for the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings in the USPHL in America, and that is Rhodes Mitchell King. I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. He's 18 years old. Uh, he was born, I uh, believe, in Coventry. Don't say his place of birth. But, uh, I guess it's Coventry because his youth team was Coventry. Um, but yeah, t- to be overseas and his points were decent parts as a, as a defenseman to be fair so I think he's definitely one that, that is up and coming um, one that could potentially make maybe the East Coast League or the a- AHL very very one much one to watch uh, I'll have to see if he makes his debut in uh, the um, CHL uh, I mean by that the, the Quebec Major Juniors the Ontario Hockey League uh, the West Bank League, all the junior sort of setups over there, so could see him in, in there. Uh, be a great, great step, step, stepping stone for him. But he's definitely one. When I did watch the Great Britain, Brit, Great Britain under twenties, uh, definitely one that that stood out for me. Um, he got two points in five games in that one. Um, yeah, very good, very good player, uh, and very much up and coming. I'm going to go for one that's already been mentioned, to be fair. Dave, I'm presuming looking at their uh, roster that the one that we were talking about was Matt Bissonnet. No, he's certainly not a junior, mate. Um, the one I was referring to was... Um, go on, Michael Dereco. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Michael Dereco, we were very quick. He was lightning around um, the ice on the games that we've seen uh, for the Steel Dogs. Uh then I realise he's he's not a, a Brit. Yeah, he looks to be British trained. Looking at his stats. Fair enough. The first he played for was the Sheffield Greyhounds. And then if he was able back to touch you, yeah. Mm. I do remember the guy that you're on the bike fair, so I remember that conversation now. Um, I honestly thought at this point that my answer would have been Vanya Antonov after how he, how he stepped into the country lineup and played well in the Elite Series. Um, he's hardly even played in the NIHL league. He's actually played in the NIHL 1 Memphis Street and um, Ice Hockey Club. He's played for the B's for one game this season, 16 games for Street and 47 points in the NIHL one though. Um, my upcoming player, and it's, yeah, don't really want to say it too much because I know that it's a kind of obvious one, but I do think we're going to be seeing Jack Rammer coming up into the Elite League shortly. He's an 18-year-old kid. He's got 14 points in 13 games for the Steel Dogs after a bit of a short stint in Sweden at the start of the year. Played for Malmö's IF Junior Twenties and Malmö's IF in the Division Two for the uh, for Swedish League. Eleven games, three points in the Division Two. One game, no points in the Junior Twenty Division One. Um, he does look a good player. He likes the physicality as well. Likes to throw his fists around. He likes to throw some knocks. Um, he's got 38 penalty minutes in the 13 games he's played for the Steel Dogs this season. Um, so he does like to throw his fists around and have a couple of fights. Uh, he does like to throw his body around. There are a couple of points where I've questioned whether that'll be the case. He's stopped his feet a little bit uh, on a couple of occasions where I thought he, uh, he needed a bit more of a burst to get to that puck. Um, so there have been a couple of points where I think we've been watching and I've said that was a bit of a lazy play. But generally speaking, he looks to be a quality player. 
Uh, and at 18, I would firmly, firmly suggest that he'll be uh, he'll be looking at a slot in the elite league roster in uh, in due course. Um, but yeah, he's my guy to watch. Any more for any more? No, right, no problem. Right, we'll draw a line under that. Dave, you can uh, have a think about your, your player to watch and come yeah. back. Um, and right now, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Andy Stafford. It is time for the awaited Stafford stats section of the episode. Let's wait a bit longer if not, but it will be out. The whole question okay. thing's just like thrown thrown us off, I think, and it we've not really prepared uh, yeah, much for it. I apologise for that, James. <laughs> that old chest down here. Impending sats. <laughs> so I'm going to do the elite league table. Uh, still in first place, got Sheffield, uh, 39 points. Uh, in second, got Clive Force with 39 points. Um, Sheffield only. On top because they play less games. I believe they have uh, five games in hand over Cardiff at the moment. In third, we've got Belfast with 36. In fourth, we've Nottingham with, 27th, uh, with 27. Fifth, we've got Guildford with 21. Sixth, we've got Manchester with 20. Seventh, we've got Coventry with 18. Glasgow have climbed up the table recently. Uh, they're now in eighth, got 18 points. Uh, Dundee in ninth with 17 points. And uh, yeah, a few, a few unlucky results for Fife recently, but I think that's sort of cemented their place now in in tenth, unless anything drastic happens. But I don't, I don't think they will be end up making the playoffs. Um, Tenth point score, top point scorers got Marco Valarand with thirty three, sorry thirty four points, uh, and then we have Belfast. We've got Scott Common with thirty three and JJ Picnic with thirty three as well. And also two points, uh, two players for, for Cardiff, also with 31 points, Brody Reed and Justin Crandall. Amazing to see, still Rock Steinovitz is still leading the party in terms of goalies with 93.9 save percentage uh, and 1.94 goals against. Uh, and then we've got Matt Carew with 93.29 percentage, uh, followed by Tyler Bascarani with 92.89 and Jackson Whistle 92.57. So both goals to Belfast making an impact on that team. Uh, doing well of splitting games and it clearly shows right there uh, and as mentioned before Shane Starrett in 5th with 92.18% um, I don't think there's much point going into the challenge because I don't think a lot has changed really obviously with the, the team that are going through to the semi-final uh, but yeah uh, it's, it's still wide open for, for a top slot that's for sure and uh, Nottingham find a bit of form now they, they've uh, got a few points in the bag so it's still very much open. Yeah, 100%, mate. 100%. Anybody's game still. Um, I think that, that's it. Other than predictions, boys, unless anyone's got anything to add on the stats. Uh, this is Andy's usual section, so I don't think we normally add any more on that. Um, I throw it over then. Predictions, Dave, I think you've got them written down today. I do indeed. <coughs> so... We'll start with Glasgow v Manchester. Glasgow 6-3. Glasgow 4-2. Glasgow 5-3. 
and I've gone Glasgow 3-2. Then it's uh, Dundee v Dundee vs even uh, Coventry Blaze. 4-3 Dundee. 5-3 Coventry. 5-2 Coventry. And I've gone 4-2 Coventry. Next, it's Devils versus Giants. I've gone 2-1 to Devils. Any disallowed goals? Three. Uh... Say four three devils after overtime. Four two Belfast. And I've gone three two Belfast. Next it's Steelers versus Panthers. Steelers five four in overtime. Four one Steelers. Four three Steelers in regulation. I've gone three one Steelers. And then the next game is Flyers v Flames. 3-1 Guildford. Uh, 2-0 Flames. 6-2 Flames. I've gone 3-2 Flames in overtime. And then we go on to Sunday's games. Nottingham v Glasgow. No, uh, yeah, Nottingham, 4-2. Nottingham, 5-2. Andy was going to say 4-2 then. <laughs> Do you know what? Nottingham, 4-2. <laughs> can I change mine now? <laughs> no, you can't, it's written down. Uh, I've gone 3-2, Nottingham, but in overtime. Next is Dundee versus Sheffield. 5-2, Sheffield. 3-1 Sheffield. 4-1 Sheffield. I've gone 4-3 Sheffield again in overtime. Next is Coventry versus Fife. Coventry 4-1. Coventry 5-2. 4-2 Coventry. I've gone 3-1 Coventry. Next, Guildford versus Belfast. 5-2 Belfast. 4-2 Belfast. 6-2 Belfast. I've got 3-2 Flames. Ucat. Yes, Ucat has arrived. And then the final game, uh, it's Steelers versus the Clan on Wednesday night. Steelers 4 2. 3 1 Steelers. A 4 3 Steelers. And I go 6 2 Steelers. And there's your predictions for this episode. Perfect. I feel like we've missed a section. I've actually forgot to tell us how we did last week, and uh, I really want to tell us how we did last week. So, <laughs> Go on, Joseph. Tell us how you did well, and we will... Hello, just our podcast tonight. There were, uh, yes, there were a podcast, guys. Thank you very much, yeah. There were 14 games. Like, in fairness, we all did pretty well in terms of the, the actual 
the guesses. There were 14 games last week in last place out of the three of us. Obviously, Gref didn't. We forgot to ask Gref when he said that he couldn't do it for his predictions. Uh, Andy ended up with eight out of 14. Dave, you ended up with nine um, out of the 14 games. So, obviously, usually we do one point for the right game or the right winner, one point for the right result. Uh, I was on 15 last week. I only got two fixtures wrong and I got two scores correct with an overtime right as well. The, uh, the, the Guildford Coventry game, 4-3 in overtime. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever done that before, so I'm celebrating that while I can. Taking the virtual app. Damn right. <laughs> I was going through them while you got one there. Uh, it was just me and Gref on the call, and I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, take, taking that while I can, it's never going to happen again. Nope. Um, but, yeah, gents, that is the, uh, that's the end of the podcast. We've got nothing else on the agenda unless we've got any other business. There was hotel prices for the Spring I've got two, actually. One's the hotel prices, and one that I spotted... Um... Very this this afternoon whilst um, browsing, but uh, before we go on to that, um, Joseph, you've done a superb job so far. Why don't you give us the the socials where people can get in touch with us? Oh, I forgot about the socials. We are at MFZ Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook, and obviously we have got the My Fancy Zamboni Discussions group now as well. So if you want to be a part of that. You should be able to find that, I think, through our Facebook page, through the My Fantasy Zamboni Facebook page. If you can't, um, drop us a message either on the Facebook page or to one of us directly. If you've got us on Facebook, we'll get you added in there ASAP. Good stuff. So, um, obviously, the hotel price was a conversation that um, me and Joe had. And we'll have that second because it's a humorous one. But actually, a bit of a good news story. Um <laughs> Another GB teenager that's on the NHL scouting watch list. Um, I noticed on the... Um, I haven't noticed recently, but probably the, the article was put on the last November. But Liam Steele, uh, who's playing out in North America, is on the NHL scouting watch list and could be eligible for the draft, if I read right, for next year's draft. Uh, so potentially, be nice to think of someone following the steps of Liam Kirk and having another player drafted in the show. Uh, so good luck to him. Um, I, I just would say, I'm doing the rounds. I just spotted like, oh, it's a nice piece of uh, news that we, we we love to see. Um, things we don't love to see is prices. If you ever want to go and watch the Spengler Cup. <laughs> so obviously, Griffin and Andy won't be aware of this. Me and Joe, I think it was before roller training, weren't it? Do you know what I think it was? I think it was the Monday before Christmas when we didn't train, but we still went to the casino, and I think we did it then. We were looking at them then because we had a lot more time in the casino, and it was just me and you, and we spent however long looking at hotels. And all, we were looking at all sorts, chalet prices. It was lunacy. Now, me, me and Gref have a, a kind of idea of, of the costs of accommodation in Switzerland where we should have been going to the World Champs in 2020. Um, so it weren't no surprise to us, but we looked at it for like two nights or three nights, and this was outskirts of Davos for the Spengler. And you look at it, seven hundred pound a person. So when they say Switzerland's not cheap, they're not wrong. It included breakfast, though, Dave. Don't forget the breakfast. Oh well, that makes it all the difference. <laughs> um, 
just all the difference. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to go, because I don't think I'm on my own in saying that the Spengler Cup is a little bit of a bucket list material to go and do one day. Um, and uh, yeah, when we go, oh, let's have a look and see the pricing. So I think it was like a few weeks before this year's um, tournament before it got cancelled. And we looked at the price, it was like seven, eight, nine, was like a few, like, well, they were like 20, six, seven grand. Yeah, honestly, two I mean, nights. chalets that I was on about, but madness, <laughs> utter madness. Um, so, yeah, but and even tickets weren't even cheap either. I think we were, like, the cheapest ticket was £120. Yeah. And that's for one game. Don't call it the uh, Cathedral of Hockey for nothing, then. Well, they need the money to keep it to keep the uptake on the cathedral. Yeah, they might need to start selling something more than Skoda cars to uh, to afford the. Uh... Oh, I don't think it's Skoda cars uh, for the Spengler Cup. Was it not? What was it for the Spengler? No. Oh, it'd be something upmarket. Skoda's the uh, the world champs. How is it? Was it UBS yeah. or something like that? It... I know UBS are one of the sponsors. Mm. They have like a load of sponsors. They've got to have a load of sponsors so. to afford. I mean, first, if you want to buy one of the jerseys, because one of the years uh, Metal League Magnitikos was in, and they had a really beautiful uh, dark blue jersey, well, you don't see how much it is. £160 re- replica. For 240 you could have had an authentic jersey. And you're like, so that's how they're affording it. That's NHL jersey price. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, so my words were, ah, DHgate, let's see what you can do for me. <laughs> for a fraction of the cost. Brilliant. But if there's actually, you know what, we'll put it out there, what's the one event, stroke, tournament, or game, for the listeners, that people would want to do before there's a bucket list material? What would be the one thing they'd love to go and see as a hockey event, as a, as a bucket list material? I'd be something to uh, put to the listeners. Yeah, I was asking the questions for once. Yeah. For me, it's the Winter Classic. I mean, no doubt, I'd love to see one of those. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think any 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 NHL fan that the, the Winter Classic has to be top of the list, surely. Or an, out, an outdoor game. As much as the Winter Classic is the pinnacle of outdoor games, but I think any outdoor game, like one in Germany. Oh, yeah. 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 There was one in Riga a few years ago. That could have been interesting. I don't know. I, I'm like, I mean, All Stars is the other one that's, that's relatively obvious in terms of NHL events. I don't know. I, I kind of want to see things like a, a playoff game in Winnipeg, so you can see the whiteout in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see a playoff game involving the the, the Capitals before Ovechkin retires, just because I genuinely believe that Ovechkin will beat Gretzky's scoring record, and it'd be great to say I've seen him play a playoff game. Yeah, like, you know, before he did it, so yeah, they'd be two on mine. I think I won't mind seeing us uh, being at a game at a sold-out Bell Centre in Montreal. Mm. Well, they take a great following to away games, so yeah, I can't imagine what it looks. Yes, they do. Yeah. What about you, Graf? Right. Well, obviously, Winter Classic. That's always going to be up there. For me, I've already seen one of the bucket list games that I wanted to see. It wasn't the greatest games, though. And that was USA v Canada. That was awful. At a World Championship event. So, yeah. I'll replace that with GBV USA. 
because that was a great game, even though we lost. Just I want to make you laugh as well. Just a playoff game for Buffalo. I was in my head. You've not said that. I was thinking. I just want to see us make the playoffs. That'd be good. Imagine the, the spam we'll get from, from Griff if we actually do make the playoffs. It's not going to happen this year. They had a strong start this year and they're still going to miss playoffs. There's more chance that Islanders make it playoffs than Buffalo. We're pretty one point behind you as well. Yeah, look yeah, at the games in hand. Games still. Yeah, they're about seven games in hand. Well, like a tenth of the season in hand is like... <laughs> Brilliant. I feel like you, you've said USA-Canada. I feel like the obvious one for that, in fairness for me, would be USA-Canada Olympic game. Because that, yeah. and I mean, Olympics when the NHL are allowed to attend, because that is the big boys match. I know that, like, the world champs is enough, but we know they don't take the big, the, like, the best players that they can, whereas the Olympics is the strongest roster they can. No, that's the game I'd certainly, I mean, I remember the final day in Vancouver, mm. and that was a belting game of hockey. Um, in fairness most of the big fixtures you tend to for the best v best and even the World Cup of Hockey I think the Olympics finds yeah. the best of best games it's like the USA Russia game in Sochi but a real game of hockey and in a real atmosphere Yeah, a game like 20-30 years in the making but just outstanding um, it's a shame that you won't have that next month yeah but uh also, uh, I mean, first, uh, another one for me is a, a, a DEL game in one of the German fan curves. You see it on the TV and you go, yeah, that's a good atmosphere. And that's, I we, me, Andy, know, I'm sorry, me, Andy, and Joe know a couple of people who've been to the one in Berlin and they say, yeah, that's something else. Yeah, the first thing that Andy said to me, not Andy Stafford, but. No, that's Andy that we, yeah. Uh, that we know that said to me was if you go and see Ice Bar and Berlin go and sit in the fan curve I was like yes absolutely but yeah any more for any more again or are we I yeah. think one that we'd all agree on uh, and we have mentioned it before but um, a packed house in Allborg seeing the Pirates against Frederick Sharvin uh, watching, watching the fish game in front of the the, uh, the players would be amazing I actually just about to say we need to campaign to get Captain Ding Dong to come to a game in Sheffield. I'd pay for that. Him and Steve are done. Working the magic. Brilliant. Can you imagine that? Just skates over and give his usual gesticulations towards the away fans. <laughs> Not thinking about the children. They don't need the chips. <laughs> I think just, just adopt him as our actual mascot. Get rid of Dan and just call him Steel Steve. Steel Steve. That'll be Ding Dong. You can't take away Ding Dong. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that on the podcast. Well, you have oh. now. <laughs> take away Ding Dong. Oh my god. Well, that note, gents, have we got anything else to add on this one, or are we? Good to finish on this. We said we might be under two hours. We are not. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, good work by all. But, yeah, if we're good to finish, then, uh, Gref, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you to Dave, to Ander, to the wonderful listeners that we have. 
people that post on the discussion page as well. Thank you, Rob. Yeah. I, I, I was waiting then for someone else to jump in like we usually do, and I was like, no, no, this is <laughs> No, Andy, thank you very much, sir. Hope you've managed to survive the sats from Dave today. Thank you, Joe. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everyone listening. And, uh, well, just about, I think. A bit scarred, but I'm all right. Uh, it's good to see normal length resume. So, yeah, all good. You can't say it's good to see normal length resume after I've just said you can't take away Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> the two don't go together. We'll do now. <laughs> God. Okay, we're moving swiftly on. Dave, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, um, I don't know what to echo that. No, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Gref. Thanks, Ander. Um, and those who listen, those who give us material to uh, help with the contributions, thank you very much. Um, more of it, please. Um, less for us to talk and, and more for you guys. But thank you very much. It's been a, a good evening. Um, enjoyed as ever. Yeah, 100%. No, thank you, everybody. Thank you to anyone that's listening. Uh, And like you guys have said to anyone asking questions, if you are in that group, ask us any questions you want. It's always nice to have some content driven by other people, things that we won't necessarily think about, questions that we won't necessarily think about. So do feel free to carry on asking questions on there. Um, And, yeah, until that point, uh, thank you. Another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.